Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Spooniepreneur podcast. I'm Nicole Neer, an online business manager living with fibromyalgia and bipolar disorder. On this podcast, I'm going behind the scenes in my business and talking to other Spooniepreneurs to get real about what it looks like to be an entrepreneur living with chronic illness to inspire you to start the business of your dreams, no matter what life throws your way. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Spooniepreneur podcast. Uh, I cannot wait for you to hear today's guest, and I know I say that absolutely every week, but I really hope that you walk away from today's episode with some great insights into what it looks like to create a business that works around your health, but also works uh, to include your family life into the mix. I know so many of us We want to have the energy to be there present with our family. And when you have a business, when you're an entrepreneur, that can be really draining and you want to make sure that you're building a life and a business that works with all the parts of your life, right? Uh, Like I do every week, I want to start us out with a quick disclosure. I fully recognize that what works for one person may not work for others. So the information that we're talking about on today's podcast isn't met as medical advice and it doesn't take the place of the important relationships that you have with your doctors or your therapist. So today I am talking with Paige Wolf. She is an author, a publicist, and an advocate dedicated to creating meaningful, progressive change both locally and globally. She is the author of Spit That Out, The Overly Informed Parent's Guide to Raising Healthy Kids in the Age of Environmental Guilt, And she's also the owner of Page Wolf Media and Public Relations, a PR firm that is focused on mission-driven clientele, which I love. Paige's latest project is phillytweens.com, which is a resource for parents and kids trying to navigate the city and the world. Paige lives in Philadelphia with her husband, two children, and an American hairless terrier. Love dog moms. Uh, So let's just dive right in. All right, everybody. I have Paige Wolf with me. Uh, Paige, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm feeling good today. Thank you. I'm on my third big cup of coffee. Oh, me too. Not three. I'm on two right now, but. (laughs) You'll get there. Yeah, I I probably by the end of the day, I will. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you and your health journey. So my health journey is, um, I'm going to be 40 next month, and I've been pretty healthy throughout my life. Um, In my early 30s, I got involved. um, I became more interested in physical fitness. I started working out a lot and challenging myself and really enjoying that. Um, I have two children, uh, a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old, and I noticed um, after I gave birth to my daughter six years ago... During that pregnancy, I had a lot of weird infections, ear infections, sinus infections, just like uh, really intense uh, infections like I had never had in my life. And then after I had her, I noticed that I was constantly getting sick and run down. Like every few weeks, I would just get this insane like rundown exhaustion where I'd have to sleep for two or three days. And I thought, you know, maybe it's from nursing or just being a new mom or to a second child. I couldn't quite figure it out. And I sort of went on like that for a couple of years, experiencing uh, pretty frequent infections and exhaustion, but managed to sort of go about my life fairly normally. 
Um, in 2016, I got really, really sick. Um, I thought I had a neurovirus. I had a really, really high fever. I was vomiting. I mean, it, it lasted for days and, and it started to become really concerning. And long story short, after a couple of different trips to the ER, I went into septic shock. And I was in the ICU for a few days and, and they didn't know if I would make it. Um, we credit my making such a, a good recovery to the fact that I had been, you know, focused on my physical health until then. So I was pretty strong. Um, and, you know, even to this day, the doctor's diagnosis were that they don't know. They kept testing me for all kinds of bacteria and it was all coming back negative. So they said, well, you, you know, you had food poisoning. I said, well, I, I didn't eat anything strange. You know, no, no, nothing's, nothing's coming back positive in terms of bacteria. Like I, I had a virus and they just were like, well, it just doesn't make sense. After that, I did tests to try to figure out what had gone wrong and nothing was really conclusive. Um, but then I was taking a look at my own blood work, which is the story for many of us who are sort of diagnosing ourselves. <laughs> and I found that I had low levels of certain immunoglobulins immunoglobulins, which, um, you know, is, is oh, part of what keeps your immunity strong. Um, my levels of IgG and IgA were below normal. And I approached a couple of doctors with this over like the course of a year and a half, cause I was still getting lots of chronic infections. And a lot of times I was sort of dismissed. I finally found a doctor who looked at these numbers and said, yeah, you have a primary immune disorder. You have, it's called common variable immune deficiency. It's rare. Um, it's only called common because I think it's a common form of immune deficiency, which is rare in itself. Primary immune deficiency is rare, right? So, um, and at that point, we discussed options. The really only treatment for what I have is getting blood plasma infusions with people's healthy blood plasma. And there's a few different ways to do that. You can do it. There's a weekly version. There's a monthly version. You can do it at home. You can do it um, outpatient. I've been doing it, um, at home myself for about a year and a half, but personally for me, the side effects have been so significant that I'm seriously considering going off treatment and sort of seeing what happens. So that's where I am in my health journey. And I'm very, I've always been very, um, open and public as a person who works in communications about my life, my journey, my struggles, whatever's happening in my life. Um, so I've shared a lot about uh, both recovering from sepsis and living with CBID. Um, I've met a lot of great people virtually online. I've connected with people in my community. Um, and I've learned that I think the biggest thing that I've learned is how extremely common chronic invisible illness is, particularly among women, particularly among women in their 30s and 40s, and particularly among mothers. Because I believe that for me, something was triggered during the course of that second childbirth that just made my cells get weird. And I haven't been the same since, but you know, of course I wouldn't trade that. I have a beautiful six-year-old daughter who's wonderful. So whatever it is, it is. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of the time as women, we kind of brush aside our symptoms because we've got so many other things that we're trying to do that it just you know, it waits until it gets to that point where we're in the hospital and we have to deal with it. You're 100% right. I, well, the first time I went to the ER um, when I was really sick, they sent me home. And I knew something was wrong. And I begged them to let me stay. And they were like, you have a stomach flu, go home. Um, 
I considered a malpractice suit, but basically once they just sort of refunded my ER fee, I kind of just, you know, wrote them a strongly worded letter and moved on with my life. If it wasn't for my sister-in-law being a nurse and coming the next day and seeing how ill I was and her, like, physically bringing me into her ER, her hospital, I might not have survived. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have been dismissed by hospitals. I have been dismissed by doctors. I had a doctor who was supposed to be the top immunologist in the region uh, look at my blood work and tell me that I didn't have CVID, that I needed allergy shots. I was dismissed by this this top doctor that I needed allergy shots. And I was like, this is not allergies. I've had allergy shots. You know, that is not the problem. And um, so I had that experience um, until I found someone who really believed me and was willing to advocate for me. So I was, I was lucky in that respect. I'm also lucky in the respect that I am a woman who is of strong and sound mind. I will fight and advocate for myself in the way that not a lot of people have the privilege to be able to do. Um, I have some financial means. I have decent health insurance. Um, and I, you know, I, I try to be, you know, well-educated. I'm, I know how to connect, you know, on the internet and social media. I believe that there's so many people out there who are struggling and don't have the means to advocate for themselves, don't have the money or the health insurance resources that resources to advocate for themselves. So if I can at least share information on how to navigate our healthcare system, signs and symptoms to look for. I just had um, a, a, a local mom that I know reach out to me the other day because she heard about what I was going through and she's been really sick and hasn't been able to get a diagnosis to figure out what's going on with her. People will dismiss it as mental health, um, which is certainly a very true thing and can be a component to all kinds of illness. But, you know, I, people have been told, you know, you're just tired, you're a busy working parent, um, you've got anxiety, you've got depression. Um, those things may well be true, but, there, but you know, we, we instinctively know that there's something that is physically wrong. And it's hard also because many of these immune diseases and autoimmune diseases are extremely difficult to diagnose. And so there's all these people who have taken years to get a diagnosis of chronic Lyme or lupus or fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, which is really not widely understood. And um, with an, a disease like mine, CBID, Having, having accompanying autoimmune diseases is very, very common. Mm-hmm. I don't yet have a diagnosis of an accompanying autoimmune, but I strongly suspect that I may have chronic fatigue syndrome accompanying it mm-hmm. and, and could come, you know, could come to face other autoimmune illnesses down the line. So, um, you know, it, it's a constant journey to see, you know, what I'm going to do, what kind of treatment I'm going to do and how everything's going to evolve and how can I best, how can I best take care of my health while maintaining, you know, um, my, my life, being a parent, being a wife, being a friend, um, and, and running several businesses, which is what we're going to talk about next, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So were you an entrepreneur before you got sick or yes. have you been one for a while? I have been an entrepreneur for a while. So um, in some ways, I'm fortunate to have been working for myself and from home well before I got sick. I started my public relations business sort of by accident when I was 23. I'm almost 40 and I've been working for myself from home ever since. And during the course of that time, it's evolved significantly. I work, um, you know, in in addition to doing public relations and communications work, I'm a writer. I've written some books. I write a blog. I do a lot of freelance writing. I started different uh, website projects. So I do a lot of work. And the vast majority of it can be done from my bed or my kitchen table. So I'm really lucky that uh, my sources of income um, 
haven't been super dramatically affected, but certainly there's work that I have not taken on knowing what I will and won't be able to handle, um, anything that would involve traveling, anything that would involve a lot of in-person meetings. Um, and fortunately, the clients that I do work with are really, really understanding if I have to cancel something last minute or, or phone in. Um, so I have the advantage of the fact that my work has always been virtual. Um, but the downside is that a person like me who has not come from full-time employment would probably not be able to get disability. Not that disability would be easy to get um, with a diagnosis like mine anyway, but you know that option is sort of out of the cards for me. And I'm okay with that right now because I, I really love working. And um, I'm fortunate to have um, a husband who's got decent employment and parents of some means. So I don't have to worry that my health costs are going to leave me out on the street. Right. And I feel like there's this, there's this line between being quote unquote sick enough for disability and not being well enough to do the full-time nine to five, get up, get dressed, commute mm-hmm. to work kind of job. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, with me, I have got good days and bad days. I have good hours and bad hours. I have, t- I have times where I can't get out of bed for three days and then they might see me the next morning running three miles because there are, I, I do. And I write a lot about that on social media and my blog because I want people to understand because you see me at the gym today does not mean that I am fine. Does not mean that I will be fine an hour from now. I found through trial and error that I could work out in the morning and be totally fine for the rest of the day. I could also work out in the morning and be laid out for three days. Conversely, I could decide to just take to just take it easy that day and get super sick. It's not, the correlation is not clear. So I've been working on like taking it easier. I'm no longer um, competitive in my athleticism. I'm no longer signing up for races and competitions. Um, when I go to the gym and there's a workout on the board, I take it really slow and I modify it. Um, and that's been hard for me because finding that has been an outlet that I was really passionate about. So I've had to modify it, but I'm grateful that I can still do something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can look perfectly fine. Um, and I never know when just all of a sudden it's going to hit me and I'm like, I got to go right now. I got to lay down. Um, it's also hard as a parent. My kids are great. They know that, that mommy's sick, that I'm in bed a lot. My husband takes up a lot of the slack. We've found things like it's harder for me to wake up in the morning, um, in time to get my kids off to school. And because I don't, if I get up before I'm ready to, and I don't sleep super late, but if I get up before I'm ready, it can really negatively impact my day and my health. And my husband's found it's easier for him to just get up with the kids and take them to school. And other than that, we sort of play it by ear. Like, am I going to pick them up or are they going to have to stay late at aftercare? You know, am I going to be able to join in this activity this weekend? And when can I actually take them on myself and give him a break? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have friends and family that are helpful to a point, but everybody has their own problems. Everyone has their own issues. So, you know, we can't um, expect that much help, <laughs> but we, get, we take it where we can get it. And we're certainly not a change. So. And so one of the things that I've experienced in my business is that that kind of the ups and downs of I can be fine one hour and the next hour I'm crashed have had an impact on how I set up my business and how things operate. Have you had the same experience? It is. I will be like cognizant of not making meetings on certain times or certain days. Um, I try to give myself the best 
possible outcome for me knowing I'll be able to make it. Um, I mean, it was a lot of scheduling around my treatments because I've had my treatment knock me out for four days. Um, I've, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't schedule too much in one day. I usually am with my most productive hours are typically between like nine and two where I'm up and drinking a lot of coffee. And I know that if I schedule a meeting for four o'clock in the afternoon, that's not a great time for me. Um, I turn down, like, you know, if a friend wants to go to dinner, I'm like, cool, let's do six o'clock. If they're like, yeah, I can only do eight 30. It's, it's, not gonna work for me, bro. Like I, 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 I know I need to be like. Most nights I'm laying in bed by seven o'clock, just resting and like trying to go to sleep by like ten. I mean, I know myself. I know my body. I know what I can handle and what I can't. I know if I push myself too hard, I'm gonna pay for it. <laughs> but it's tricky because I, I really don't necessarily know from day to day or hour to hour how I'm gonna feel. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you have for somebody who has chronic illness, who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, so it's so hard to say. I mean, there's people who, everyone's in such a different situation. There's people who rely on that full-time income and unless they can make a strong enough case for disability, they really can't leave that. So it would be really hard for someone who was working full-time and exhausted by that already to try to start up a side hustle or a hobby. Um, there's some people who are currently just, you know, not working and would love to be doing something that felt productive to them, whether it's making crafts to sell on Etsy or, you know, blogging or doing, you know, selling like, you know, beauty products or health shakes or what, I mean, whatever makes you feel like you want to get up in the morning and be earning some income and be, you know, just, just have something of your own. So I think everyone's situation is really unique. Um, but I mean, I would certainly encourage people that if they can to try to find something that can be somewhat sustainable for them, help them earn extra income, help them feel productive and active. And a lot of things like this can be done virtually. We're fortunate to live in such a technology connected world where, again, if you want to sell a product or a service, if you want to share your writing, your art, your music, you can do that virtually and you can make some income or even just feel good about doing that. So um, that's the plus side about living in this day and age where we can do that and we can connect to communities and earn money without necessarily having to go and sit at a desk from nine to five or wait tables or whatever it else is that people are doing to get by these days. It's, it's, it's just, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you touched on something that I've really experienced, which is just having something to focus on um, and some way to feel productive is been a game changer for me and just my mental health uh-huh. of uh-huh. being able to just feel like I can get up and do something and not just feel like I'm laying around without a purpose. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's such a huge thing for my mental health. And I've always been a person who likes to be really, really busy. And my mental health suffers when I'm not busy. So if work is slow, I suffer. If work is too much, I suffer. There has to be a balance. But generally, I'd rather be overworked than for work to be too slow. And if work is too slow, I suffer. So I've taken up hobbies for myself so that I don't let my mind go crazy. Like I took up pottery recently and I bought a really low-cost pottery wheel for my home. So I know that if I, I start to feel like like my, my brain's going into overdrive, I'm, I'm, I'm 
feeling self-pity. I don't have any, you know, I don't have work to focus on or a project that I'm excited about. Then, okay, I'm going to go downstairs and make some pottery and that's something I could do. For me, that used to be running 10 miles or seeing how heavy I can lift this weight. That doesn't quite work for me the same way anymore. So I've channeled that into a different experience. Mm-hmm. And so what question have I not asked that you want me to ask? Wow. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really feel strongly that there's an epidemic of women who are suffering illness after childbirth and after pregnancy that's not being diagnosed. I did some research on it. I linked to it in one of my blog posts. I'll spit that out about how so many of the people that I've connected with, for whatever reason, these kind of immune and autoimmune diseases seem to be much more prevalent in women, or I don't know if women just talk about it more or diagnose more, but this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing it in the specific age group, and I'm seeing it a lot among women who have given birth, and something like triggers in the cells. It's some kind of a scientific thing where all of a sudden you just have fibromyalgia or you have lupus or there's something suddenly wrong with your vision. I've talked to so many people. Conversely, I had a friend who had fibromyalgia, had a baby and the fibromyalgia went away. (laughs) Nice. So it like, it's, 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 you know, it does some stuff, like some stuff happens in your body. Like, you know, it's, (laughs) it's crazy. Um, Certainly, I'm passionate about um, environmental issues, too. Um, I write a lot about health and the environment and pollution and plastics and all this kind of stuff. And that's before I got sick, something I I, I was consistently passionate about because I know that things like poor air quality and food quality and water quality contribute to exemplifying our illnesses and affecting our health and you know, so I'm passionate also about the political process and trying to make change on, on that level, which is also something I've, I've written and talked about, you know, how can you be an activist? You feel like when you're confined to the bed or confined to a chair. Um, but again, because of the virtual world we, li- world we live in, there's a lot of things that you can do to help make change. Um, so that's something that I'm passionate about as well. And uh, I hope that People who are suffering will not remain silent, that they'll reach out, connect. I follow some really great, like you're one of the people that I follow on Instagram. Um, I'm not even sure how I started following you, but I started following people who had similar chronic illnesses, who had interesting stories to tell. Somewhere between, you know, some of the people are motivational. Some of the people are just, you know, resourceful, insightful, interesting um, when I sh- follow the hashtag of CBID, which is my illness, it's interesting because I'll get a mix of people who are like, I climb Mount Everest and I feel great. And then people who are like, I'm at death's door, see you later. So it's like such a wide range. So from, it could be like this really inspiring post and then this really like sad, grim, like this is the end post. It's just, it's a kind of a, a mind mess. But like, I, I do like following and connecting with people and saying like, Hey, what treatment are you on? How did that work for you? And everybody's different. Everybody's super different, but, but yeah, connecting is great. (laughs) And I think that we're so lucky that we live in such a connected age because I do not know what I did before I discovered the Spoonie community on Instagram, because it's just been a way to connect, to get advice, to get support. And like you said, there's just such a spectrum of people. Some people are doing really well and some people are struggling and then we flip flop, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just been, it's just been a really powerful experience. 
Yeah, I find that there's nothing lonelier than laying in bed when you're having a really bad flare or you're suffering from the effects of a treatment. Even though I have a husband and two children, I'm really fortunate to have that love around me and I've got friends and family that care about me. I feel so lonely and demoralized every time I get a flare or have to suffer through a treatment. And my mind starts spiraling. And I, because then, you know, I'm sure a lot of people with with chronic illness know that feeling of you're completely fatigued, but you just definitely can't sleep. Mm -hmm. You just lay there and think yourself nuts. So I was constantly scrolling through Instagram and I feel so much less alone to see other people who are dealing with what I have worse than what I have, you know, people who have lived, you know, fruitful and fulfilling lives with what I have. Um, to me, that's just been, I, I, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yay for iPhones, Instagram. Right. And not all selfies, you know, there's, there's substance there. Yeah, there is. <laughs> so Paige, where's the best place for people to find you on the internet? So the homepage for everything me is pagewolf.com. That's easy enough. And from there, you can link to different projects. I blog mostly on spitthatoutthebook.com about everything from, you know, parenting, environmental issues. I've been posting a lot about living with chronic illness. I post about politics, whatever's on my mind. Um, And you can see the different projects that I'm working on at any given time. And I welcome people to reach out to me about literally anything. I'm an open book and I love connecting and sharing with people. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Paige, for being on the Spooniepreneur podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to see this and share it out with our community. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Spooniepreneur podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, recommend, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find show notes and to get connected to our community of Spooniepreneurs, go to www.theresilientba.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.